The Start On Demand. On demand. Hey, hey, it's the Start On Demand. Greg Mackling with you. Brett McGarry on holidays this week. It was a windy Wednesday in southern Manitoba. Loren McNabb and myself walking you through what was a destructive day in parts of Manitoba, including Holland, Manitoba, which lost one of the sails on its trademark landmark windmill. Too windy for the windmill. We saw overturned grain bins. We saw damage to roofs across south-central Manitoba and even a semi-trailer blown off the Trans-Canada. We'll talk about that and much else on the Start podcast. Thanks for downloading, sharing, and subscribing. Let's get right down to business. Good morning, Loren McNabb. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm getting text messages from north of the city of Winnipeg that it's not okay up there. Tristan, when I came into the parking lot this morning, I was looking for your vehicle, Mm -hmm. could not find it spotted it in the middle of the parking lot next door at Pola Park under the parking deck, and I thought, we must have a storm coming because it was thundering and lightning, and you were anticipating some hail, young man. The possibility of of hail, yes, and and the other thing, too, is that I don't want my car to cook in the open parking lot during the day because the temperature inside a vehicle when it's in the sun can be... 50, 60 degrees almost. Well, you're thinking so, ahead because yeah. I have a text message, Loren. I don't know if you're seeing it right now. 5.30 a.m. hailing pretty good Winnipeg Beach exclamation mark. Yeah, and then there was also other tweets that went out uh, just within the last hour about how the wind speeds uh, were really escalated overnight. I think there's some spots uh, that saw 117 kilometers per hour. Holland was 110 Um Portage got a lot of wind and I'm actually was busy trying to book a guest for uh, tomorrow and she explained that the power was out and the wind had been crazy in that area so uh, if you hear of any damage if you've seen some damage if your home has had any issues overnight let us know because the uh, wide swath of southern Manitoba had some sort of activity yesterday we even had some storms and rain and thunder where I was uh, on and off throughout the night Greg so more of that coming I think today. Yeah, and at 5.47, Kat and Gimli uh, communicated this via text. OMG, fierce weather in our nest north of Gimli. There will be trees down after this. Thunder, lightning, high winds, and torrential rain. Last time I witnessed anything like this was a tornado in North Dakota in August of 1983. I don't think this was a tornado, but it was bad. So then I asked Kat just after 6 o'clock, still going, and she tells us it moved East, out across the lake, winds calming now, still drizzling rain. So you might be seeing completely calm weather or severe weather, depending on where you are in southern Manitoba. Right now, we'd love to hear from you, 204-780-6868. And if it's at all possible and safe to do so, please send us a picture of what you're seeing as well. If you've got any damage that you'd like to relay to us, we'd appreciate it very much. So I guess uh, weather by default, is going to become uh, one of our topics uh, du jour on the show. Yeah, we're working. Uh, we got Kayla Evans from Global News Morning just joining us in our next segment to run down some of the numbers that we saw overnight. And then we have Environment Canada working to get them on later in the morning because there's more coming, right? We know it's going to be humid for a couple of days. We had yesterday, the heat was pretty intense. And so you knew you were going to see some kind of activity as a result. You usually do. 
uh, when the temperatures get that hot, but it looks like it's going to extend for a while. And we want to know what was the damage, how bad, when's this heat warning going to end? And, uh, yeah, I don't want to complain because it's only June, but man, that is hot, hot, hot. Sure is. Uh, we'll see uh, temperature in the neighborhood of uh, 32, 33 degrees again today. And then it cools off for the next several days, a high uh, in the low 20s uh, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and maybe even into Monday next week. So uh, this is the end of uh, the hot weather. I guess it could end with a bang, so to speak. Yeah. And uh I, I just was. I was just trying to remember, Greg. I just a few days ago said I look forward to that first storm because you, um, right, kind of fun to watch. <laughs> and then they come and you're like, okay, <laughs> like, I'm good. One's Wrap enough, right? Wrap One's it enough. up. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because people uh, that move away from Winnipeg, you know, that don't miss the mosquitoes, that don't miss the cold, uh, do say the one weather phenomenon that they say they do miss are thunderstorms. People oh. that don't live here, I, I've got lots of friends that say, oh, boy, what I'd love for a, a good old prairie thunderstorm. And then you get a couple of them under your belt and say, okay, good enough for me. Let's move on now. What else are we uh, looking at this morning? Because all sorts of things are happening on the international scene. Uh, what's Canada up to at the United Nations today? Yeah, they're looking for a seat on the UN Security Council and... It's fascinating because they've tried uh, a few times over the past decades to get back on the Security Council. We haven't had a seat there in 20 years. And so the push has been on over the past few months, even during this pandemic, to try to figure out how we get a seat and a say at that council. And so we're going to chat about that. What does that mean? Do we care? Why do we want to be a part of this? And our guest at 637 says we actually might not deserve to be on there based on how little we do internationally. And so there's lots of questions about just the role that that seat has, what it means, and why Canada wants in so bad. So that's one of the conversations we're looking to have this morning. And then another one, which I think is fascinating, is the whole idea of the suburban downtown divide. A city councillor on the news with Richard and Julie yesterday said the divide is deeper than he thought when it comes to development, Greg, and it's making it really hard to get things done, to get things built. So we want to know what you think. 780-6868. When you hear about developments going up, when you hear about uh, different changes uh, coming, does it feel like the downtown gets more say than the suburbs or vice versa? Twenty-four degrees now. It was twenty-seven when I got here just before four o'clock this morning. It was so hot. It was so sticky. And uh, when the weather is an issue, and going to play a gigantic role in our days, who else? Who better to speak with than our friend Kayla Evans with Global News Morning? She's weather specialist extraordinaire. Good morning, Kayla. <laughs> Good morning, guys. How are you? Other well, than hot and sticky. Well, I think we're all hot and sticky right now, unless the air conditioning is working where you, where you are. Just had a text message from one of our listeners who's a teacher. No air conditioning in her school, so not looking forward to today. We saw some severe thunderstorm activity north of the city of Winnipeg. Where else did we see it, Kayla? I uh, kind of just passing over us right now. I'm currently watching our satellite radar over the last five hours, and it looks like right now north of Arburg, uh, our friends in Portage the Prairie as well, they've got the double whammy currently. Uh, they're under the heat warning, and they're under the severe thunderstorm watch. So um, a little bit of an electric morning for them. I don't think anybody's going to be sleeping in, especially if you do not have air conditioning. 
what we heard from people talking about their power might have gone out as a result of some of these storms overnight and into this morning, Kayla. And we also heard about high winds and potentially some hail. Do we have any reports of possible damage or hail falling in any parts of southern Manitoba? That was from our listeners uh, that were telling us what they were experiencing overnight. Yeah, just from you viewers and listeners right now, um, obviously it takes our friends at Environment Canada a little bit of time to kind of get out there and survey the damage once the storms are done. But unfortunately, uh, we're not done with that sort of active weather just yet. We all know how damaging those wind speeds can be. And even so far this morning here in Winnipeg, close to around 65, even 70 kilometres an hour, um, and hail possible for us here at home too. So uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that today is relatively quiet for everybody but it does look like we're in store for a couple more good old-fashioned thunderstorms. Well, I have to tell you, I'm looking at uh, the Manitoba Hydro Outages map, and it looks similar to what it did uh, back uh, on Thanksgiving weekend when we had that freak uh, snowstorm. A particular, uh, Loren, you mentioned it. You were speaking to someone in the Portage La Prairie area. Yeah, that whole swath basically south of Lake Manitoba, almost straight to the international border is nothing but solid red dots indicating Manitoba hydro outages. We currently have in the province close to 5,000 customers without power, Loren. Yeah, there's a lot of people who uh, we're going to be feeling that this morning. And Kayla, before we let you go, we know it's cooling down. Uh, does that stick around for a bit, those lower temperatures? Um, it looks like for a little bit, at least into the weekend, which is good. Cause yeah, we do have that cold front that's going to move in Wednesday night. So we will be a lot closer to average, which will be kind of in the lower to mid twenties. And it looks like that will take us at least until the end of the weekend, you guys. So a little bit of relief. So uh, I think uh, we can take some solace in that. <laughs> we need a break from this heat. Uh, Kayla, no. thank you as always for this. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing your face on the television uh, just a couple of minutes from now. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Take care. Try to stay cool. You too. Kayla Evans, Global News Morning Weather Specialist. Uh, Kayla, you know, regardless of what's happening in the weather, Kayla always has such a sunny disposition. You have to in that job. Someone's always mad at you. You know, Fair. you have the folks who can't wait for that first storm, then the first storm doesn't come. There's people who get mad when the storm doesn't show up. I thought we were going to get storms today, and then they get mad. I thought it was going to get to 30 today, and I, why is there snow today? You can't. That is a no-win situation. So you just got to look at it at glass half full all the time. Just got uh, just uh, distracted here by incoming text messages, all sorts of them. Uh, one I want to pass along. Traffic lights are out. Leela at Watson, that's by Seven Oaks Hospital. I guess that's just west of McPhillips and uh, Leela. So uh, keep an eye open for that. You want to uh, obviously treat that as a four-way stop. Uh, for some reason, people uh, tend to forget that when they encounter flashing lights or lights that are out altogether. So uh, that is at Leela and Watson, if you're seeing any other traffic issues that we should be passing along, the number 204-780-6868. And we are seeing as well power outages not only in rural Manitoba, but inside the city of Winnipeg as well. So uh, if you're affected by that, uh, you're not alone. I don't know if that makes you feel any better, but Misery does like company, McNabb. Mm, yep. I, I, <laughs> it makes you a little bit better. A little you know, bit better. And you do like to know, especially when it comes to your power, that's not just your home. Yes. Right? It's you, nice to see that is, you look out in the street and you're like, okay, everybody's out. I haven't done something wrong <laughs> in my forget, home. Didn't forget right? to pay the bill. Yes.
Let us know about the movie quotes, maybe even if you want to dig into the TV shows, but we're aiming at the movie quotes here that have found their way into your vernacular. Kelly Moore is here. Jeffrey Forche is hanging out behind the glass. Loren McNabb, this segment brought to you by one of our loyal listeners, Neil. Yeah, and that's because I had, I don't remember what hour it was yesterday, but uh, you had mentioned something and I said, oh, good. So you're telling me there's a chance. And that is the quote from anyone? Dumb, that dumb, would dumb. be this, this one right here. Hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Sorry for jumping the queue, but I had to get that one in there before somebody else did. <laughs> so that was yours then, Kelly Moore, from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, oh, you know what? And it was funny because I was really searching and I thought, no, Nabber served it up on a plate yesterday. That's the one I'm going to go with. Yeah. yeah, well, you throw it out over the plate like that, McNabb, you expect somebody to knock it out of the park, and Kelly just did that. Yeah, and it's a perfect example of the things that you'll say and you don't even realize anymore that they came from a movie or why you do it. or And also, they don't make any sense sometimes you use it and it still makes you laugh because usually you'll have someone in your life that will get it, right? They either saw the film with you or they know what you're talking about. So that always makes me laugh, Greg. Jeff Forche. Yes, sir. What clip do you have for us here? What's your quote that comes from movies that has worked its way into your everyday language? Well, here's one. Do you like apples? Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? (laughs) There you go. Goodwill hunting. How do you like them apples? It's a classic. It is a classic. Now, Kelly, did that saying exist before the movie? Yes. Did it? Oh, yeah. So for some people, it'll have come from that movie, right? For sure. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. There's There are many times when I'll spout off an old saying in the newsroom and some of the younger staff members will, don't worry, it's just old man talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and now the way you prefaced that, it sounded as though you had more than one Jeff Forche. Oh, well, actually, I got a couple here. Uh, there's. I'll be back. The hmm. classic I'll be back. Terminator. Oh. Arnold. Of course. I'm trying to find yours, Loren. Where will I oh, find I, I, that? Well, I, I've got uh, Loren's queued. Well, it's not queued up. It's 34 seconds long. Should I just play it? Do you want us just to play it, Loren? Sure. And this, just to preface, this is more because I started to realize how many quotes came from this show. Not the movie, but just the show. All right. Dad, can't you have some other kind of party? One where you don't <laughs> serve meat? But all normal people love meat. If I went to a barbecue and there was no meat, I would say, Yo, Goober, where's the meat? I'm trying to impress people here, Lisa. You don't win friends with salad. 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 Everybody. You don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. I like that. 
Yeah, and I, and I honestly, I eat a ton of salad, and I'm, I have to. A week could go by without me having any meat, but I don't know why I still throw that saying out quite a bit. And it's sometimes when it doesn't even make sense, like the car might start not start, or something might go wrong in the yard or whatever, and I just yell, "You don't make friends with salad." It's, just, it's more like a, a, a way to way to express your anger or something like that. What was the uh, was it Subway that had the commercial back in the early two thousands? Back off, get your own sandwich. Is that where that's from? Subway? No? Okay. I have no idea. Never mind. I throw that one out every once in a while. Um, Probably only have time for... I pulled a couple of these, too. One of our listeners uh, uh, from Billy Madison. Stop looking at me, swan! Yeah. You know that one? <laughs> yeah. Okay, they use that one in uh, their house. Movie quote we use in our house all the time. Don't ask me why. My wife and I say this all the time. We just do. And this is one that has really worked its way into uh, the English language. Give your oxygen tanks a stir. Roger that. This is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Houston. We have a main bus B undervolt. We have a, a problem. Mackling and McNabb with you on this Wednesday morning. And Loren, I'm looking at pictures right now from Holland, Manitoba at 7806868. And I'm devastated to see the damage done to the landmark in Holland. It's the Dutch windmill. It's lost at least one of its wings or, geez, I'm not really up on the vernacular. vernacular. (laughs) Yes. So uh, one of its, uh, yeah, one of the four pieces, one of the spinny things, one of its wings, maybe we could call it, has has been broken off in this uh, big wind. And boy, have we seen some incredible wind speeds across the province. Yeah, we've had reports in from Rob's obs on Twitter. He's, of course, Rob is a former meteorologist. He spent 30 years with Environment Canada. And so, wow, uh, we knew that there was a lot of communities that were getting over 100 kilometer per hour winds, but it looks like uh, in areas uh, south of Portage, so like Somerset saw 120 kilometers per hour, Treehearn 119, that's where we saw some of those bins toppled, Oak Point Marine 133 kilometer per hour gusts uh, happened between 3 and 6 a.m. And of course, Holland, as you referenced, Greg, where the windmill there has seen some damage, 110 kilometers per hour. I guess that makes sense. And uh, ironically enough, a beautiful blue sky in Holland this morning. We uh, move on now. Uh, On April 22nd, you might recall the city of Winnipeg announced service changes and temporary layoffs for just over 250 operators at Winnipeg Transit in its ongoing response to COVID-19. At that time, the city said Transit had been or had seen a 72% drop in ridership, resulting in roughly $6 million in lost revenue every month. On May 4th, Winnipeg Transit altered its weekday service to what the city called an enhanced Saturday schedule, Loren. So Winnipeg's transit union now is calling on the city to immediately restore service as the province gets set to move into phase three of its reopening plan, which in theory would lead to more people using the buses. James Van Gerwen is executive vice president of the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 1505. He joins us now on the start. Good morning, James. 
Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Well, thanks for join, uh, joining us to explain what's going on. I understand some bus operators are coming back to work. How many and, and, and what would you actually like to see happen? Um, well, uh, there's going to be 100 operators coming back um, throughout the next three weeks. Um, and basically, they're here to try and help um, maintain the schedule they have now um, with people going on holidays. So. So that's not an indication that uh, service levels are about to increase. That's just to maintain uh, what they were calling those Saturday level of service uh, every day of the week, or at least uh, six of the seven days a week. Are passenger levels growing, uh, in your opinion, or based on statistics, James? Oh, on the data I get, I'm getting from my drivers, um, I'm still getting them um, emailing me passenger loads. Um, they are telling me that the service is picking up. Um, we see a trend. Uh, in the service coming up and, you know, operators are actually, some of them are even passing up passengers now. So the service has gotten to a point where it's, it's exceeding the demand we have out there. So was just sent a, a message right now from a trans, the Transcona city councilor, Sean Nason, about some data that they got last night, James, that shows that the Winnipeg transit daily ridership as of June 12th was only about 38%, so 38% of ridership. Uh, you're not even at half um, of what would be normal. So uh, what do you say to that and, and the idea that we shouldn't be ramping things back up until we see far more people taking the bus? You know what? I've been out here on the, on the streets now since 6 in the morning um, talking to the passengers who are getting off the buses, and we're getting a lot of people signing our petition, and they're saying that they, can know, they can't get to work on time. Um, there's a reason why it's called a Saturday service and not a weekday service, because it's not meant for the people who need to get to their work um, in businesses and in, in industrial parks for, for that early in the morning. They're saying that their buses are, are showing up too late and they're getting to work 10 minutes late. I had one person saying he needed he needed to run one block and he had two minutes to get there or he had to wait 45 minutes for the next bus to come to bring him to work. So he needs to run or he's going to be 45 minutes late for work. Now that the city is opening up, and next week, you know, it's going to be opening up even more. And more people are not going to be able to get to work in the morning because Saturday service does not start as early as a weekday service. So it's unacceptable in a lot of people just to try and get to work. So if the city is opening up business, um, they should have the buses out there to get people to the job. Uh, James, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for this. We appreciate your uh, detailed insight. And of course, the key word there for me, Loren, is service. Transit is not a business. It's a service, and yep. it's supposed to serve the people of our city in a fashion that they need. Last Thursday was to mark the start of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2020 season. A Grey Cup rematch with the Tiger Cats in Hamilton. That would have been the highlight of week one of the CFL season. As we all know by now, that game did not come to fruition. The big question for many Canadian football fans is, will there be any football played this year? And it's impossible to play any sport without... Obviously, the players, Greg, and yesterday there was a real sense that the league and its players aren't exactly partners in exploring where to go with this and figuring out what's happening with the league and the future of the league. So we thought, who better to speak with than the voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Good morning, Bob. Moran and Greg, how are you doing? We're doing well, Bob. Just about uh, dropped your call there. That would have been uh, uh, the fumble of the, <laughs> of the morning there. 
hey, the CFL uh, PA, the union which represents the, the players, isn't happy with the CFL right now. What's going on? Well, we had Solomon Elamimian, the uh, head of the CFL Players Association, their president on the sports show last night, you guys. And uh, I cut right to the chase with Solomon, and I, my first question what, was, what is the players' biggest beef with the league? We're pretty much left in dark, um, guessing, wondering. And, and the hard part is a lot of our players haven't you know, got paid since November. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty there, and, and it's really weighing on guys because, you know what, they have families. You know, we have families, we have kids, and right now we, we don't have a direction um, which, which way the league wants to go, and, and that's the concerning part. And I also spoke with LMM further, guys, about uh, the situation, the friction, I guess, between the Players Association and the league, and he says this is a long-time problem in the Canadian Football League. It's all about the culture. I think there's a culture of mistrust between the players and the CFL, one that um, needs to improve for the league to be where it needs to be. You know, the players, you know, always feel like um, we always feel like we, we get the, the burden and the stick when it comes to um, decisions that are being made without bringing us into those decisions. But, you know, the CFL is a great league, and, and our players are a big reason why the CFL is a great league. Obviously, the fans – our big reason, but I just feel like, you know, we need better communication from the league because we've always been willing to work with the league. Um, we've always maintained that we want to see this league grow and be prosperous, but the problem always comes where there's lack of information. Um, you know, the league pretty much telling us when and how to do things. So that's the, that's the tough part. Loren, not unlike the conversation we just had with the Amalgamated Transit Union, it feels as though the individuals doing the work uh, aren't in the loop as to when either work is going to resume or there's a lack of appreciation for what's going on in the field with regards to transit or on the field with regards to the CFL players. Yeah, so Bob, my question is this about, uh, this is a long-term issue, is this really about the pay since November, or is it more about what's going on currently with the pandemic and all the uncertainty that exists and where this league is going to go this year? Well, it's about all of those, Loren, and I have to say that over the years I've heard the same sort of complaint from the players in that they're not brought into some of the key discussions that the league has about certain situations. So this is not a first, and when Solomon talks about uh, quote-unquote the culture, uh, this goes back many years where the players have, have often felt that they're not included in some of these major discussions. What they want right now from the league is a concrete plan, and I use the word concrete because it comes from them quite often. The problem for Randy Ambrosi and the owners and governors in the league, and it's not just Ambrosi, he takes all the flack because he's representing the owners, he works for them, is they don't have a concrete plan, and it's impossible to have a concrete plan for something three months down the road. And there have been discussions between the players uh, and Randy Ambrosi, and Randy has said to them all along, guys, we're going to give you some sort of specific plan, and I think it'll happen in the next 10 days, but it's really difficult, if not impossible, to do that because we just don't know what things are going to look like in early September. You know, when the players say they haven't told us anything, well, they told them a long time ago there wouldn't be any games until September at the earliest. They'd like to play games in some stadiums. That seems doubtful. They've talked about this Hub City concept. That's going to be very, very costly. And I asked Solomon about that last night, and he said, well, I need more information. Well, the league needs more information about how that's going to look and what it's going to cost and the safety issues and all the rest of it. So... 
Look, I understand the players' frustration. I certainly do. I think we all do. Uh, you know, all the leagues right now, the, the players and, and the, the owners are sort of at odds over how this is going to unfold, how it's going to look. We had Rick Bonus, the coach of the Dallas Stars, on our show last night, and he said the players' biggest question when he talks to them is, are we actually going to play? Well, the NHL intends to play, but they still don't know if they can play. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated issue. And in the, from the CFL perspective, uh, the players want answers that the league says it cannot give them right now. And then the, the money comes into it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do play some games, will will the players expect it? We heard some rumbling yesterday that the players will expect their full salaries if they only play eight of the 18 games. Well, I mean, that's not going to work. Uh, so... I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. I think we'll learn much more in the next couple of weeks about where this is going. Yeah, a litany of issues to to really to work out. MLB, uh, their players and their uh, owners seem to be as far apart as you can be on this, Bob. And then yesterday, a a group of NFL players, including Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, testing positive for COVID-19. That's going to throw a wrench in plans that the NFL has to essentially be a business-as-usual situation. NBA players Sounds like the NBA is is really out front of all the other leagues in terms of their plans and how they plan to implement this. Well, they are, and yet uh, there are a number of players in the NBA who say they're not sure they want to return and play. They're not sure it'll be safe. And so, you know, there's concerns, I think, in all leagues. The NBA does appear to be further along, and the NHL is to some degree, but the NHL still has so many unanswered questions. And I can assure you that uh, the owners in the Canadian Football League are working their tails off to try to figure out some way to get this done. But, you know, we were talking about this last night, this Hub City concept, which may be, may be the best and only way to do this. If you are going to play games in Regina and Winnipeg, you're going to have to bring 600 players and coaches, maybe 300 in each center, put them up for two months, you know, start doing the math on hotel costs and food costs and, and, and no fans, no fans to help cover some of the costs. I don't know if it's even tenable. I really don't. So uh, I, I don't have answers to this. I know the league doesn't. They're working feverishly to try to figure something out here, hoping that maybe in, in three or four weeks, the landscape will change to the point where they can put some people in the building but that seems uh, unlikely now, too. So I just don't know what to say beyond that. It's, there's so many unanswered questions. And when we get the answers, I don't know. Well, we thought we'd be closer to some answers now. It feels like we're yeah. getting further away from those. Bob Irving, as always, we appreciate it. We look forward to hearing you on the sports show tonight from 7 to 8. Always appreciate your time, friend. Okay, Greg and Laurent. We start this hour with the headline, Local Supports Local during COVID-19. And we like to think, Loren, that we support local pandemic or not. And we are huge fans of our next guests and what they do for the local economy and budding entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, on one of my walls hangs a sign that I bought at one of their events in the pantry. I have different food items. I was at Clear Lake on the weekend and looking for some sweaters that uh, have been made by a company that they featured at their Third and Bird event. So join us to share exciting news about their next step and the evolution that would of what we are sure is one of the most pro- popular extravaganzas for local businesses are the founders of Third and Bird. Good morning, Chandra Kremsky. 
Hello. And also with her is our good friend, Sharla Smeal. Thanks for being with us, Sharla. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, oh, I struggled. It. You heard the struggle there, <laughs> hey? Struggle. I wanted to give it a schmeal. Well, then you would do, that was my grandpa. As soon as I got married, he was like, hello, Mrs. Schmeal. So it's very endearing. <laughs> I love it. It's super cute. Well, uh, Chandra, before we get going into where you're taking this event, tell us a little bit about what it was. A year ago, if there had been no pandemic, what is Third and Bird for the uninitiated? What, do you, what are you doing? Yeah, Third and Bird is an event where we gather some of Winnipeg's top talent um, and new and up-and-coming artisans. We gather them together in one big space and we invite um, the community to come down and support um, these local artists and uh, makers. And it's just a fun event. We have music, uh, food, uh, lots of sights and sounds. It's, It's a great experience. So, Sharla, before we get to your exciting news, this is not the 2020 any of us had <laughs> planned. How have you pivoted over the last several months? Oh, yeah, it's been crazy because, um, I mean, we're huge events. We're going to be the last phase of any. So, you know, kind of took you for surprise. We kind of sat in it for a bit in shock. And then we quickly were like, okay, well, what do we got to do? And um, we've been working on some big online plans with e-commerce, which was a direction we were moving anyways. Um, and then as these phases started opening up, we just started getting creative and being like, okay, what can we do? How can we get people back together to get in person in a safe way, which led to the news coming soon. Well, tell us more. Who wants to give us the news? Chandra, let's start with you in terms of how we're going to do this. Yeah, so we, um, as phases started happening, um, we saw that, you know, St. Norbert Farmers Market opened up and we were like, hey, that's great that they were able to, to do that. And so we went down there and we met with organizers and we shared our platform and our heart. And, you know, we realized very quickly that we both have, you know, similar values and ideas with supporting local and local producers and farmers. Um, so together we decided, hey, we're, in, we're both in the same position. We both need each other to survive this, you know, 2020 pandemic. And so, um, you know, we have assets that we could bring to St. Norbert and they have assets that they can bring to us. And so it just made the perfect um, partnership to put um, community over and above competition and come together. So online has become such an increasingly uh, popular way to buy, which obviously doesn't really fit into the business model that you've been you've been creating over the last six, seven, eight years. Uh, so how are you going to tackle that part of it, Sharla? Um, well, we're quite excited. The website's being worked on and be launched very soon, so you can all see what we've been up to. Um, and so it's kind of the first platform we're doing is just that for those people who still aren't ready to quite get out and come mingle in person, you can buy online. And then you're going to be able to pick it up. We'll have it in the markets every Thursday, 2 to 8, but we'll have curbside pickups. So you stay in your car, you drive in the back, somebody comes and safely gives you your goods, and off you go. So it's just one way that we can, like, help access that demographic who's still not quite ready, which is totally fine. Nobody knows the answers. And then we have the option of in-person shopping, of course, with all the government guidelines in place. It's interesting to me, Sharla, because in many ways it feels like this will be something that sticks. It won't be temporary because you might learn that there are a lot of people 
who want to do it this way, the online and the pickup versus the in-person period. A lot of people love the in-person shopping for sure, but you might find that this strikes a great balance for so many people and maybe even brings products to more Manitobans uh, and Canadians than you had previously. Well, yeah, and that was kind of the hope even before all of this. You know, Chandra and I had brainstormed a lot, like, how can we get these products, people who can't come into the market or who are in other provinces or in, you know, communities up north or anywhere. And so this had been a dream of ours. So, you know, as much as we didn't really like the pandemic, it really made us double down and, like, work on that. And so it's quite fun to see it all together. And I agree. I think some people are just going to be like, great, get me my product. <laughs> well, is that the bonus coming out of this, Chandra, this, this idea that uh, not only a pivot to, to stay alive and to remain relevant, but an opportunity uh, sort of for the next stage, the next step in your evolution that you might have otherwise press paused on yeah absolutely like i think this pandemic has put a lot of businesses in a position where it's like you either have to adjust and think outside the box or you're gonna it's kind of like sink or swim and so it has really pushed us to be creative and um like Charlotte said, becoming more accessible to people who may not have been able to come to the market or who people are for shoppers who are just not there. There are people who are just not going to feel comfortable for a long time, if ever again, um, being in large crowds. And so being able to still um, have an event where people are accessible, but then they can shop online and do that from the safety of their home. I think that is going to be a very strong and um, business model for us going forward. All right. So Chandra, where do we go for more information? We just have a few seconds. Yeah, so head over to our website, shopthirdandbird.com. That's where you can see our vendors. You can shop online or you can come in person tomorrow from 2 till 8 p.m. at the St. Norbert location. All right, leveraging your good name to help others build theirs. Absolutely fantastic news. Chandra, Sharla, always great to speak with you. Good luck and keep us up to date as you always do on how things are going. If there's anything we can do to help, that's what we're here for. Thank you so much. Thank you. Third and Bird, one of the most uh, creative ways to support local uh, in our community and uh, the number of makers. I love uh, the terminology maker, the mm-hmm. individuals, the entrepreneurs, uh, Loren, that they've uh, managed to to help uh, raise the profile of and really give them a, a, a launching point for their incredibly uh, brilliant business ideas. And it's badly needed right now for both businesses and for Manitobans who are looking to make some purchases or, or at timing for Father's Day and all the rest. Greg, there's all sorts of reasons to, to get out there or get online and help out. Back where we started at about 3.30 this morning, TFJ, 27 degrees. That's right. Yeah, the temperature did fall a little bit. and Now it's back up in the sunshine at Polo Park, at least. Did you do your homework? I, I tried to, Greg. I'm sorry. I was busy doing other things, too. So you have no answer on your transit uh, position? I, I actually really need to think about that because I, I, it's such a chicken and egg argument. I, I, I don't know where I would stand on that. I really that. wasn't looking for you to repeat what you said a half an hour I ago. I was looking for you to well, come with an opinion to I'm the s- table. I'm sorry. All right, back to your uh, back to your desk. Thank you sincerely, though, TFJ. I love to tease you, but you know how much I love you. Thank you. Thanks Greg. for your hard work this morning. Uh, it was absolutely crazy in the newsroom today, mm-hmm. and uh, you pulled it off without breaking a sweat. Uh, you are a true professional, and uh, the honor of working with you is all mine. Thank you, Greg. Okay, buddy.
We'll see you at 10 o'clock. Uh, Tristan Field-Jones with Global News at the top of the bottom of the hour until 11.30. 10 o'clock, of course, Jeff Courier takes over these airways. We'll speak to Jeff in about, uh, oh, I guess about 15, 16 minutes time, Loren. And... Uh, of course, Hal Anderson. Do we call Hal? I mean, we were supposed to talk to Hal at 8.37 this morning. We missed out on our opportunity. He had technical difficulties, was unable to join us. Maybe we'll reschedule Hal for uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah. Always good to get Hal on. He always uh, brings some... I love his perspective on things. It's always nice to hear different voices. And he's good for a laugh, too, which is so badly needed many days, right? Oh, you're not kidding. Uh, did you get uh, nailed with uh, any uh, wind or rain down in your neck of the woods? We had a lot of th- thunder and lightning last night, uh, early in the evening, and again, for sure, overnight. I could hear it while I was sleeping. I just stepped outside about half an hour ago, and I don't see anything in terms of high wind damage or anything like that. It's just hot, hot, hot. Yeah, and uh, we continue to receive messages uh, from our listeners at 780-6868. Another picture, I, it might be, I hope it's the same uh, semi-trailer yes, that we saw it, overturned. It is, yeah. Okay, thank goodness, because a second one wouldn't be good. That's either in the ditch on the curb or in the median out near Highway 1 and Highway 16. So uh, we appreciate you sharing with us your experiences uh, overnight and into the early hours of this morning with the weather. And thanks to everybody who sent in their choice of uh, favorite movie phrase or TV phrase that's worked its way into your personal vernacular. Uh, we apologize. We weren't able to read a ton of those on air. Uh, the weather situation certainly uh, overtook much of the discussion this morning, but we appreciate you being such a big part of what we do here on 680 CJOB, including participating in our question of the day. You go to cjob.com for that. Question of the day is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And the question of the day that we're running with, if you were in the class of 2020, how would you prefer to mark your graduation? We've got three different answers or options for you right away. Embrace creative convocations, delay, wait to celebrate together, or stay away, send the diploma in the mail. It's a very close race between those three, so we figured we'd give you a little bit more time to vote and weigh in on that one. And uh, Loren, that question of the day came out of our discussions yesterday that featured different ways Manitoba graduates are in fact celebrating graduations of all sorts this spring. We heard about several innovative ways schools are celebrating these milestones with and for their students. Yeah, drive-through convocations, drive-in graduation ceremonies, all sorts of different ideas that are coming through students and staff to try to bring people a little bit of the celebratory uh, life that comes for grads at this time of year, which might include, without COVID, a formal dinner, Greg, or a dance. They're, of course, all obviously off the table. And for every grad dress which was purchased, there are suits or tuxedos that weren't even bought or rented. And that's not great news for our next guest, who is easily one of the most stylish individuals in our city, Ken Lozano, owner of Aldo Formal Wear. Good morning, Ken. Ken, do we have you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Can you hear me? We've got you. Perfect. You know, awesome. we, we we remark often, Ken, that we count on you to see the bright side of things, but I don't want you to feel yes. obliged to do that because I know this has been challenging times for so many business owners. So yep. the very basic of questions is, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, life is great. We had to adjust uh, to to uh, to life right now. So, But otherwise, uh, we're all doing good. 
Well, Ken, give us a, an, an idea of just how many tuxedos you, you might rent or how many uh, mm-hmm. graduates you might see. Obviously, uh, high school and university uh, formals off the table here. And uh, for the stylish individual, uh, you would be the, the go-to, go-to person, although formal oh, wear would be you. the place to go. Uh, just, Thanks, just how many uh, wonderful uh, outfits have you got in stock and, and are you dusting them off? Well, yeah, like we have uh, inventory of like a wide range of inventory for uh, for many special occasions, right? So when people need them, they're they're all set to go. Uh, this year is a little bit different. The wedding industry and the grad industry, the grad season kind of went on pause for a bit. But you know what, uh, kids, like what you guys were saying, uh, a lot of schools are doing last minute things just to make sure um, these kids have this special moment to celebrate, right? Because I remember when I was graduating high school, I was like totally looking forward to our grad party. So um, it's great that these schools are doing at least something to celebrate the, their special occasion, right? Yeah, because it's an exciting time of year. It's exciting to be around yeah. it. Even just driving by yeah. kids when they're taking their pictures at the school, can oh, yeah. And then coming yeah. into your shop, that must, must have, yeah. it's not the same, but in a yeah. normal year, you'd be feeling so much joy, my guess is, in June. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because most of most of these kids come with their parents, and you know the parents get involved, and it, it's 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 an experience for them too as well, right? So, um, can you imagine this year where things are a little bit different? Uh, the mood is a little bit different, so it's it's my job just to kind of you know um, just to remind them that that it's still there, right? Because uh, at the moment, like just the other day, we 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 had some last minute uh, grad bookings. And, uh, you know, when, when they come into the store, we got to make sure they're all taken care of uh, the same way as, as last year or whatever, right? So very important. Ken, what other challenges have you got in terms of uh, keeping yourself and your staff safe and, and also, of course, your, your customers? Have, have you got some different uh, systems implemented? Well, basically, like, honestly, I, I, I just kept things the same. Um, I always thought, like, like good energy would would. would would uh, upbeat like my customers right because you know um during the pandemic it was it was a struggle for everyone right so if you're being negative uh if you're throwing out negative energy it's it's not going to help them at all right so you always have to remind them that it is a celebration there there's going to be a celebration of somewhat um so you know they they feel much better about the situation it must be hard, Ken, for you, given, and we've been using this word so much in the yeah. last three and a half months, uncertainty, right? We don't know yeah. where things are going to oh, go yeah. and what happens next. And so for someone like yeah. yourself, it's not just uh, tuxes and suits for grads. It's oh, events no. that aren't happening. There's oh, charity yeah. events that aren't underway. And so yeah. the the big question mark, there just must, must feel sometimes like there's a big question mark hovering over uh, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, man, it, like, like I said, it, it was scary at first because... Uh, it was all up in there and it was, we were just all clueless, you know, and we were, we were trying to plan of what to do or what not to do. Um, but yeah, we just like with me and my staff, we had, first of all, we all had to support each other. Right. So, and we had to communicate with all of our clients, especially all the weddings, right. And brides, especially, um, they, they've been waiting for their special moment for the longest time and planning it too as well for the longest time then all of a sudden the wedding industry went on pause for a bit so things kind of got lost and 
thrown off a little bit. So it was kind of weird. I bet it has been. Ken, before we let you go, just curious, yeah. you know, so many restaurants and food service yeah. uh establishments have been able to pivot and maybe change the things that they do. What have you been able to do, if anything, to keep revenue coming in the yeah. door uh, with with this unique situation that you're in? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, some weddings are still going on uh, because, you know, the, uh, some some couples like the smaller size wedding, um, more of an intimate level wedding, like a backyard wedding. So um, in, in terms of that, we still have people coming in wanting to celebrate their special occasion, right? And to be honest with you, like, um, it, it, it's like a non-pressure um, environment now where they don't have to invite, like, everyone. It's just small, intimate family, and that's basically what we're depending on. Ken Lozano, love you, brother. Thanks for this. Love and you too, man. Thanks our, for having me. Of course, and our thoughts are, are with you in this difficult time. Uh, if anybody can persevere and get through this, we know it's you. Okay. If there's anything we can do, please reach out, okay, my friend? Thank you so much. See ya. See ya. Ken Lozano, our good friend from Aldo, former, just a, an incredible individual, Loren. His energy, his positivity, just uh, one of those uh, really uh, great people in our city. Yeah, and not buying into the idea. It's so hard to not have, uh, to let this all overwhelm you. That doesn't mean there's probably not days where you're feeling overwhelmed, right? But you, but the attitude there is that you just try to find the positive. Even at the end there, you talked about people with weddings and the positive is that the maybe there's less pressure. It doesn't have to be this perfect event and and maybe that's part of uh, the changes that we'll see for folks. There's lots to learn from this. Well, when you can use the word more instead of less in a situation like this, more intimate, you know, you're looking for the bright side and I love that about Ken. I love mm-hmm. anybody who can uh, spin these things, these uh, dynamic and, uh, well, you mentioned a word that we've been using a lot, unprecedented times, uh, uncertain unprecedented lots of uns right now hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think and hey even tell a friend about the podcast be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram greg is at gmacwpg that's g-m-a-c-k WPG. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.